It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my fellow CFPs and business partners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. How old do you have to be to open a Roth IRA? We often on this show talk about the benefits of getting started early with your investing and with the power long-term of a Roth IRA, uh, we want to spend the time on this show talking about how young can you be and get started with the Roth IRA. We're hitting those rules on this episode of the Wise Money Show. Okay, I just opened my coffee. It was really loud. I am sorry for that. That was... So, but it's early. I need I need uh, a little uh, a little pick me up here. So anyway, hey, if you have a question for us, we're gonna hit questions from fans of the show later in the the show. In fact, special uh, sponsor today, Auto Owners Insurance, sponsoring uh, the last segment of the show. Thank you very much. We'd love to hear from you and help you with whatever you're going through in your financial life. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can also submit questions online. Find us there, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. Follow us there, and you can submit questions there as well. We get most of the questions there on the YouTube channel. Check it out. Submit questions. All right, so the Roth IRA, like Josh said, gets a lot of attention. Some financial personalities on the radio, it's like all they talk about. It's it's in vogue. You You're not... Um, it's almost what is it the uh, the the BMW uh, <laughs> is, it replaced the style symbol of choice or whatever he says Status symbol Status of choice symbol yeah. of choice is the Roth IRA actually not the paid off home mortgage um, but before we get into whether your child whether a teenager can have a Roth let's just set the foundation what's the Roth how does it work let's hit the basics so we're all on the same page. So the Roth IRA, you're putting after-tax money into it. So this is money you've already paid taxes on. So think this is money that would be um, in your checking account, savings account, wherever. It's not money, and you say, well, what's the difference between after-tax and pre-tax? Well, pre-tax money, if I was funding, that's the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA. A traditional IRA, I would fund, and then I would get a deduction on the front page of my tax return. So it helps you today. Yeah. Right, for the traditional. But the Roth does not help you today. It's, it's not a tax deduction. Right. And if we're talking about kids, most kids, until they get above about $12,000 of income, aren't going to pay a penny in taxes. So if you had income and you said, okay, I have income, therefore I can fund something, you wouldn't want to fund a, a traditional IRA because... You, you wouldn't. You're not paying taxes anyway. Yeah, that tax write-off doesn't do you any good if you're in the zero percent tax bracket, as a, a child typically would be. So the the Roth IRA just makes more sense from a tax planning standpoint for kids. But but what about non-kids as well? I mean, the the reason we love the Roth IRA is because if you've got money invested in one of these vehicles for years, maybe decades, and all that growth avoids ever being taxed. 
there's not there aren't other investment tools out there with the exception maybe of the HSA that really give you that kind of power. Did right? you say what about non-kids? Non-children. <laughs> <We're> all... <laughs> I, I think we have adults. I think is what you call. I think we big, have created a brand, <laughs> a right. brand new classification <laughs> of investor. Oh, that's great. We've got so, kids and non-kids around here. So, so, but, but we often get this as a follow-up. Like, wait a second, did I did I hear that right? Is this really how the Roth works? And that is, yes, it grows tax deferred, meaning all the activity, dividends, and when you sell something, capital gains, all of that is sheltered. It's all, you don't have to pay any taxes as it grows. And then if you've had it for five years and you've reached age 59 and a half, um, then you can draw that money out and it's tax-free. That growth is tax-free, never taxed. And that's the power for those kids versus the the non-kids. No, it's really, that is a powerful financial instrument, really wherever you're at, assuming that you've got the right situation for it and you're working with your CFP and they say, yeah, the Roth is the right idea for you. For kids, it often can be because of that tax deferred, that tax-free growth. So what's the age limit? How old do you need to be? You need to be 18? You need to be 21? You need to be 31? How old do you need to be? Well, in order to sign a contract and open an account for yourself, you've got to be an adult, whatever that means in your state. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a Roth IRA. That's right. Because uh, if you are a kid who uh, has a parent who can sign for you as a custodian, you can actually open up custodial Roth IRAs with some companies. Not, not every company will offer this. Not every investment firm out there makes this available. But uh, those that do, you can actually open a Roth IRA for your child. You're the, the legal, um, you know, responsible adult in charge of that account until they become an adult themselves. So there is, there, the age, there is no age limit. What is the requirement? Income. There's an income limit. So again, if you're under 18 and you're a kid, you have to get a non-kid to sign for you <laughs> to be able to open this custodial. All right, we're done with the joke. Let's move forward. You have to, you, so to open the custodial. You, you, so you have to have a parent or a guardian, whatever, to to sign for you to open a custodial Roth IRA. But so there's not an age limit, but there is an income requirement. So if I because if I don't have income, I can't do it. And so, and again, the nice thing about being a uh, a kid is that about up to twelve, about twelve thousand bucks is the threshold before I start paying federal taxes. Now, hear me say federal taxes because you will be paying state taxes well before you start with federal taxes because the state tax is a lot more like a flat tax. Yeah. So, you need to have earned income, is what Kevin was saying. Your, your child needs to have earned income in order to fund a Roth IRA. Technically, and we ne- you never hear this, but technically, the Roth IRA contribution limit is 100% of your earned income up to $6,000 or what, you know, whatever. And so um, technically, you, that, that's stating that you need earned income. Now, is interest income, does that count? No. Capital gains, if you happen to have some money that you sold and there's capital gains, does that count as income? No. You've got to go work. You've got to have yeah. earnings. A gift also is not uh, right. income to that child. So you can't just give them the money and now all of a sudden they have earned income and can qualify. 
And one other thing that I would tell you is when you're, there's this thing called a spousal IRA or spousal Roth IRA. When you're married, this same, you know, you need to have earned income, but up to a certain limit, um, that same uh, requirement is there. But if you're married, one spouse can earn enough to qualify both people to contribute. There, it's not the same. That doesn't, um, that doesn't count for parents. The parent can't earn enough to qualify their child. The child themselves would have to have earnings. And, and one of the things to think about when people think about funding these things is, well, my child earned money. My child earned $3,000, but they spent it all they, they on, on something. Well, a parent could then make a contribution f- up to that income amount that the child earned. So the, the parent could go and put the $3,000 in the, the child's Roth IRA. That c- could is the, is the point. We're actually <laughs> going to talk about that. We get that question a lot that, um, you know, from parents, hey, uh, my, my son or daughter earned $1,500 working at, um, you know, the part-time job at school or something like that. Should I put some money into the Roth or can I or should I? And uh, we're going to hit that actually later on in the show. But one of the biggest decisions about funding the Roth IRA for your child or for a teen is, is can you? And we just answered that. That is yes, as long as they have earned income. But then the second question is, what do you invest in? That is, I would argue, the second biggest decision related to this. We're going to hit that as well as several other questions, that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Can your teenager have a Roth IRA? The answer is yes, as long as they work. Gosh, you don't have to be the bad guy there. You can just say, yeah, the IRS says you need to go get a job. It's not just your mom and her dad saying so. Uh, But then after that of, of can you, the next question is, how do you invest it? That's the next most important question. We're going to talk about that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Just mentioning every single episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Check it out. If you haven't been there before, go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and turn on notifications as well. Every episode here, as well as every Next Wise Step video that airs every single business day, you'll catch it all right there. Go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. Okay, guys, so yes, you need to have earned income. There's no age limit. There's no age limit to have a 401 or a Roth IRA. There's no age limit on the other side either. It's just earned income. So at 70, are you too old? At 72, are you too old? At 75, are you too old? No, you just need earned income. That's it. That's that's the requirement. So let's go back to the teenagers, though. So teenagers, you've got the part-time job. You're working at Chick-fil-A or you're working at the bookstore at, at school or whatever. And you've got some earned income, and so you're eligible to contribute to the Roth IRA. The next big question is, what do you invest it in? Yeah, uh, uh, this is probably the number one misconception on IRAs and Roth IRAs. Um, folks who are still kind of learning, what in the world are these things? The One of the common questions that we get is, well, how much does a Roth IRA earn compared to a traditional IRA? And it, it almost kind of implies this... Um, 
this misconception that the Roth IRA is an investment itself. And it's really just a, an account that you can buy investments inside of. This is an account that's created by the tax code. It's just a tax shelter, if you will. It's a place for you to park some money outside the reach of creditors and outside the reach of uh, the tax man. But inside of that account, you have a whole world of investment options that you get to choose from. And uh, m most people, when they're getting started, probably should be using things like mutual funds, which really help you spread the risk around and give you a whole range of levels of risk that you can choose. Um, you know, you, you can pick mutual funds that are really conservative or really, really aggressive and everything in between. But by definition, we typically think of a Roth IRA as a long-term vehicle and therefore should be growth-oriented. So, um, you, you know, I, I encourage most people to think of the, the investments that they would select inside their Roth IRA as being more on the growth air, uh, end of the spectrum or the aggressive end of the spectrum because they have lots of time to let it rebound from those temporary ups and downs that occur. So for a while, we've been asked to help um, uh, speak at, a co at different college courses and one in particular at Bethel University an investing course. Now, Josh, I know you've taught a course here before, but Kevin and I have been asked to come in and talk to the investing investment class. And there's one, um, there's one thing when I'm asked to speak at, to these seniors, typically, one thing that I love to do, and it's talk about the Roth area and then talk about the rule of 72, which we did a show about a while ago. And, and so bear with me, math on the radio is just not that good. Uh, but if you're 18 years old and you throw $1,000 in a Roth, if that can earn 10% a year, then rule of 72 means that 1,000 will become 2,000 seven years later. So by the time you're 25. And then that 2,000 will become 4,000 seven years after that. So early 30s, okay? That 4,000 will become 8,000. That 8,000 will be 16. That 16 will be 32. That 32 will be 64. And that 64 becomes 128 by about the time you retire. Late 60s, okay? So $1,000 turns into 160-some thousand dollars all tax-free if you use the Roth. But you might say, well, geez, that's pretty cool. And I actually do. I get a lineup of these kids that are like, I want to open a Roth. I don't want to open a Roth <laughs> afterwards, which I love that motivation. However, what's the key principle there? Yeah, you got to invest it in a point, in a mechanism that has an opportunity to earn 10% a year. Yeah. And that it's it's interesting when you look at that, because the sometimes the people will say, hey, I want to invest. I want to invest. Hey, investing might not be the first thing that you should be doing. Maybe you should be funding, fully funding an emergency fund. Maybe you should be paying down your student loan debt. Maybe you should be paying off your car. Maybe you should be doing some other things. So it's not that it, it, when you hear us say, hey, get these kids putting money into their Roth IRAs, it's not, we're not saying that's the only thing that you should do. And again, a lot of times the kids are gonna need to spend their own money and deploy it for certain purposes. And so this is where the the parent or grandparent who says, I've, I probably have more than I'm going to need in this lifetime. What can I do with some of the excess? Yeah, it's a pretty cool planning opportunity to backfill uh, one of these investments for the kids. 
Well, not only um, because of the financial impact that it can have, but you you think of part of raising children to become, you know, responsible, independent adults. One of the skills that they need to leave your home with is the ability to save and invest for the future, to be able to postpone, um, you, you know, benefits that they could enjoy today, push them out to a future self instead. And to me, man, any time I see an 18-year-old or a college student who um, has some extra money, maybe they've really been working hard during the summer and they've saved more than enough for their school bills um, and they have extra, when, when they start showing signs that, you know what, I, I'm interested in opening a Roth IRA or I'm interested in learning how to invest, to me, it's, it's not even about getting that $1,000 doubling and then doubling again and doubling again. It's about the experience and getting them comfortable with the idea of in, investing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it does inspire people. Uh, but can you inspire them without them getting too scared? You know, they, they need to be investing in a way that doesn't create so much of a wild ride that they actually shy away and and lose this great habit that's getting started. Right. And if you're that if if that's a college kid cuz I've I've talked to a number of them my my kids are in that range right now. If you're a college kid in Indiana and you you live in Indiana, you make and you make money, you the the first thing you might want to do if you're paying for some of your own college expenses, you might want to fund a 529 before you'd fund a Roth IRA. Yeah, potentially. Well, so we're going to get into a little bit of that, but but touch on you touched on Josh the um, the riskiness and the in the fear and so on. And I what a strange year to start investing or to, to be a new investor because you're either looking at this saying, "Gosh, I should never do this." I saw a thirty five percent drop in just a couple of weeks, or you're thinking, "This is so easy, a caveman could do it," right? <laughs> and and so. Um, let me go to the extremes. Doing the Roth, that good habit, I wouldn't just put it in cash or something safe. You've got to, I would want you. I mean, the benefit there is on the growth. But then I also wouldn't say, well, just let it ride on Tesla. You know, maybe you'll win, maybe you'll lose. I mean, you might look at that 10% and scoff and say 10% a year. Tesla has done 10% in a day. I'm just putting my money there. And, uh, and, and yeah, but Tesla or these individual companies, you risk losing it all. So, Work with a, a CFP and make sure you're using a balanced approach, a diversified approach, but it should be on the growth side is, is sort of the point. Not the gambling side. It, it should be on the growth side. That gives you the opportunity, the chance to have it grow aggressively for the long term. And again, the Roth IRA, because it grows tax-free for the long term, that, that I mean, Kevin has said that's 24 karat gold Cadillac is, I mean, very, very unique financial instrument. So, um, all right. What about all of these other issues that come along with funding the Roth area? We've hit a couple of them. We're going to talk about more of that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. One of the greatest financial regrets that the average person has is, I wish I'd have started sooner. Well, we're talking about that today, helping you start as soon as possible or even helping you help your teenager 
start saving and investing as soon as possible, funding that Roth IRA. We've got a few additional topics to hit here connected to that. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay connected to everything Wise Money. Follow us online, wisemoneyshow.com, as well as wherever you're at on social media, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, Instagram. Just search Wise Money Show and follow us there. And you can leave comments, questions there as well, and engage with the show. Appreciate that. All right, so let's hit a couple additional questions here or or issues connected to teens funding Roth IRAs. Kevin, you and I were just talking about business owners and and how this connects to them. But let me share a quick story before we touch on how it applies to business owners. And the the first is is meeting with an individual um, and we had done the math and it was, you know, you're not going to spend all this money in your lifetime. And then it got to, okay, well, what's the legacy? What's the big purpose? What's, what's your why? You know, if, if it's not, if you're not trying, if you're not trying to climb the mountain of, um, of building wealth now, what's the big why? And it really got around to helping family, helping kids and so on. And, and so as we were talking about this, it was, well, are your kids funding Roth IRAs? Yeah, I I don't think so. You know, one's a social worker, one's doing it. Okay. Well, what about gifting them $6,000 a year right into their Roth IRA? And, uh, oh, well, that that's interesting. That would be helpful. And, oh, well, the doubly benefit on why that would be helpful, not only to them, but that's a way of them inheriting this money tax-free and having them grow it tax-free. And that's even better than, him, than them inheriting your Roth. And it really resonated with them. Now, it would have been dangerous if we hadn't already done financial planning. Because you could look and say, well, geez, this money actually needs to revert back to you because you haven't planned enough. But but if you've done financial planning and you've looked and you've reached those certain milestones where you're saying, yeah, actually, we, we're, we're there. We, we're not going to need this money. Then looking at how you can contribute to Roths for your kids or even grandkids when they're working, but they don't have the resources to fund, that can be a very powerful thing. Man, I'm, I'm so glad that you took this to the financial planning aspect of, of this whole question because, um, yeah, if, if you just declare in your mind that I'm going to help my kids and you don't have a sense for where um, that, that help is going too far and maybe actually could be hurting you financially. I've, I've known some folks before who have helped their kids beyond really their own means and have literally um, kind of bankrupt their own future um, all for the sake of their kids. And, and yet what you're describing is someone who's already done, um, done the planning. They know uh, or have confidence that they're going to have enough for their own financial future. Maybe it sounds like even more than enough. And so now it becomes a, uh, really a question of what's the best way to transfer wealth to the next generation, maybe during their lifetime, as opposed to waiting all the way till the end of retirement. And um, yeah, definitely the, the Roth IRA is a way for a family to build up multi-generational wealth outside of the reach of the tax man. And business owners, small business owners have a unique opportunity to do this as well. Right. Well, small business owners can pay their children to do stuff. I've paid my kids to clean the office since, I don't know, I think Josh was six when he 
get, first got started. Uh-huh. And but I they and he helped and and we paid him and and you can pay them and you have to work with your CPA. This is why you want your your prof your suite of professional advisors or your or your team to all be on the same team so that they can coordinate. But you can you can pay the kids and the kids can get that money uh, federally completely tax free. They don't pay federal tax. They don't pay self employment tax. They do pay state tax. But it's a pretty sweet deal, and then and then you can fund the Roth IRA. So for for my kids, it was start with a custodial Roth IRA at American Funds, and as soon as they turn eighteen, you take that money and transfer it to Fidelity because you've got a, a you know the, the entire world of options. You know, people say, how is how do Roth IRAs perform? Yeah. And in a, a Roth IRA, think a cookie jar, right? The Roth IRA is the cookie jar. What kind of cookies do you have in there? Well, you you tell me what kind of investments you have in there. I'll tell you what kind of performance your Roth IRA is getting. But a business owner has an, has a pretty amazing opportunity. Or you don't even necessarily have to be a business owner. You could just say, hey, my kid wants to work and has an opportunity to go make some money. So they're they're working, uh, you know, raking leaves for the lady across the street or what have you. Um, but they, it'd have to be a certain, uh, you know, volume of money for it to yeah. make sense. And I think not only that, because we're talking about funding a Roth IRA and how as a, as a as specifically as a business owner paying the kids. But once the kids hit 18 and they get started, most retirement plans don't let you get in until you're 21. Right. Right. My son, Joshua, is when he was 18, he started in the thrift savings plan because he's in the army. But that's a little bit unique. And most most places don't let you in at 18. But he started on the Roth side of, of the deal where he wasn't getting the tax benefit as he was putting the money in, but it's growing, it'll grow tax-free forever. So I think, okay, not only do you love the Roth IRA, you love especially probably if you wanted a rule of thumb, probably till you were 30, you probably should love the Roth side of your employer's retirement plan yeah. if it's available. I, I, well, I would again, and I know you'd agree, I'd tell you work with your comprehensive, uh, work with your certified financial planner on comprehensive planning because you need to make sure that the Roth makes sense. Maybe pre-tax makes sense to get retirement savers credit, something like that. But but just just sort of by default, yeah, funding it while you're young, funding it. Um, but let me tell you, let me paint a scenario while you're young. While you're young, you don't have a ton of income. Therefore, you haven't built up an emergency fund or a financial confidence account like we talked about last week. And you've got some student loans, but you've got some income. Do you fund the Roth over the emergency fund or the student loans? That's a good question. I, in my opinion, um, I, I've just seen too many cases where uh, people get started on the aggressive long-term stuff and they neglect the, uh, the short-term needs as well, like having an emergency fund, having the right discipline for uh, your cash flow, you know, the, the habit of, of budgeting. And then those student loans, um, you know, they, they are a risky form of debt because there's no um, reprieve from them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to pay those off uh, even if you're in a, a bankrupt type situation. And so t- to me, getting consumer debt wiped out, getting your emergency fund in place, those are important to uh, to get started on first. 
And then also, you know, if your retirement plan at work, uh, you are eligible to be contributing to it, and there's a company match, those are those are extra dollars. I mean, there's a pay raise essentially on the table for you to go get if you'll just contribute your share. Your employer will throw their share in, and now all of a sudden you're you're leveraging money at a whole new level. So to to me, there are there are some times where there's other things to do before that Roth IRA becomes the priority. Yeah, I I actually I I would agree with that, and yet I would also say, if you've got the foundation, if if you're working the plan and the plan of building up an emergency fund, the plan of having the student loans paid off at a certain time, the plan of providing that foundation, gosh, even if you're not yet to the destination, if you're working the plan, I love funding the Roth early. I really do. I love mixing it in as one of the priorities, one of the things you're juggling. I often say it's like uh, at the circus where you're spinning plates on several different parts of your body, but all right, anyway. All right, we've got questions from fans of the show. Got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. What in the world is PLPD? We'll tell you that coming up right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is available on podcasts. Go wherever you listen to podcasts and check it out, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, rate this show there, and, uh, and, and leave comments. We appreciate that. Uh, we're into a special segment of the Wise Money Show sponsored by Auto Owners Insurance. We appreciate them and their partnership with the Wise Money Show. They've been doing that for about a year. We appreciate that very much. Special segment where we basically take uh, questions from fans of the show that pertain to insurance, and that's what we're hitting first. And the first one here came online, and it uh, so it didn't leave their name, but when should you consider switching to PLPD? What in the world does that mean? What in the world does that mean? So PLPD is personal liability property damage. So essentially, there's all these different components of your insurance. And if you haven't sat down with your insurance agent, and and I would tell you, really, it ought to be your certified financial planner where they sit down and actually explain the different parts of your auto insurance policy. Now, if that sounds terrible... Um, hopefully when, I mean, the reason why you go through it is it's applied to real life. So you can actually see, oh, that makes sense. That's why I have this. That's why I need that. Well, when they're going through these different parts of your, your auto insurance coverage, if, I mean, you might get to the point, we're talking about it right now, where I don't really need comp or collision coverage. This car is not worth as much, whatever. But if you're driving it, you're still driving around liability. I mean, even if you're driving around, what do they call it? A beater, you know, (laughs) that beater could still hit a Bentley, right? That's right. You could. And uh, and actually on my route here, I'm just going to be honest with you. On my route, they put a roundabout in on fur. And I mean, 
this thing gets hit. This roundabout gets <laughs> hit <laughs> trashed all it? of the time. All of the time. It's been there for but, quite some time. But, too. Do actually, you wonder if that's on purpose? Though I don't know. Yeah. I look at this and I think you, you would you'd have to be trying. Like the, it looks like someone just plowed it. The, the <laughs> last time I saw the accident, an accident there, the person had gotten their car up on top of this thing like a cherry <laughs> on the ice cream. Uh, uh, I don't even know how. I don't even know how it's possible. But I I watched it. I drove right by. I'm like, what in That's the world? So anyway, so even if you're driving around a beater or a car that you say, eh, I don't really need to pay this extra insurance, there's still liability risk because you're driving it around. That's PLPD, personal liability, property damage. Liability is a term that we use um, to, to say this is protection for you if you cause an accident that hurts someone else or hurts someone else's property. Right. Right. So so you're liable, you're responsible, in other words, you're the one who's got to pay to get this fixed. And the whole reason that you have insurance is because who knows what kind of car it was that you hit, what kind of person that you just injured. And this is this is the part that it, it's required. You have to drive around with insurance, although not everyone does. Mm. That's the scary thing. In fact, um, I had a family member who was involved in a, a fender bender, and uh, when the, the person that hit her uh, got out of the car, they were just all distraught because they didn't have insurance. Oh boy. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And before you know it, uh, this person's picking up their own bumper, throwing it in the car, and driving off wow. because they're afraid of getting in trouble. And, um, you know, my, my family member, first question is, okay, am I covered in this situation? And the first question back is then, do you have full coverage or do you only have this liability protection in place on, on your vehicle? Mm. Because when when someone drives off, when you're a part of a, a hit and run, essentially, it's your insurance company that comes to your rescue in a case like that if you have full coverage as opposed to this PLPD. So what is full coverage? So so that is uh, if you let's let's take for example your vehicle is damaged. Well, um, if you're so Kevin, you guys had you guys have had a couple incidents. There was a deer issue, right? And the deer totaled the car. Is that right? Or yes, we're blaming the deer. We're blaming the deer. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with operator uh, anything. It's all the deer's fault. You know, I don't know how these deer keep getting driver's license. They're terrible drivers. They They're horrible drivers. It's terrible. And so, uh, so totaled the vehicle, and so you might say, okay, well, I got to replace replace this vehicle. So my insurance better give me twenty five thousand dollars to go buy a new new car. And they don't. They don't. They actually, so they don't give you replacement costs. They give you actual cash value. So what's the thing worth? What's it worth? And if your vehicle isn't worth that much, you might say, I'm not paying for the insurance that will actually give me what it's worth if, if, I, if, if it's beat up or if I have some damage. Instead, I'm not going to pay an extra, let's just use some round numbers, not going to pay an extra $150 every six months just in case my car is totaled and they give me $800 for my vehicle. That, that, that doesn't make sense. So you would drop full coverage and just go down to property damage, meaning yeah, if you had a fender bender and it was your fault, 
there's no insurance to fix up your vehicle. You're driving around with that uh, with that fender in your trunk. And if you do, if you do, <laughs> if you do that, one of the things that you you want to be careful of is you'd want to have a fully funded emergency fund in the event that something happens so that you could buy the next beater. I mean, some folks choose to drive a beater because they're totally satisfied with a beater. Some folks choose to drive a beater because that's all they can buy. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the, the cars that are named after uh, a, f- a famous radio show personality, uh, they call them your Dave car. So you're, if, you're driving, if you're driving a Dave car, but the, the thing that I would caution you about is if you, because what's the question? Is the question really when should I go to PLPD or how do I save money on my auto insurance? Because if you're asking how do I save money on my auto insurance, I've seen folks with state minimums come in and get the right coverage with the right company for less than they were paying for state minimums. So this is where I would say, well, part uh, a function of potentially saving money, and I would say the big idea with insurance is not how do I save money, it's how do I get the appropriate coverage yes, first. exactly. And then, and then cost is a component of the decision-making, but it shouldn't be the component because really one of the things that you might need to do to save money is to print out a credit report for yourself right yeah. now. You can do three, you can do, I think you do one of those a month or one of those a quarter now because of the, the COVID crisis we're in. But you, and, and then work on improving your credit score. That's going to drive what you pay for insurance. No pun intended there. Yeah, I agree. There, typically, this PLPD question is secondary or it's part of the how do I pay less for my insurance? But let's still just go back to when is there is there a time? Is there a rule of thumb when you f- should flip it over to PLPD? Uh, for me, I, I've just looked and said, well, when your car's value is worth such a small amount that if it was totaled or if it was, you know, it had a had a bad uh, had bad damage to it, you just wouldn't even replace it. So, that, so I mean, and and that's a that's a subjective value but that's sort of what i've well let's let's just make it objective as a rule of thumb we really don't like rules of thumb but (laughs) let's let's go with it so i've got a car worth five thousand dollars and if my insurance costs more than ten percent of the car's value that's when i start looking at hey maybe i don't want to so if my insurance if my car is worth five thousand and my insurance cost more than 500 so maybe my insurance cost is 750 bucks now i am saying hey i probably want to do something differently here as long as the 750 isn't because i have a horrible driving record yeah. or i've got uh you know credit issues or you know fill in the blank seven uh ten percent for what period semi-annually annually, annually. annually. okay Yep. So what's my car's value? If my let's make it simpler. My car's value is ten thousand dollars. If my annual premium is north of a thousand, I need to start. I need to. Sh- I need to sharpen my pencil. See how that's interesting. I I've never heard that one before. Um, the way that I often address this with clients is, I, I ask the question: If you were to get in an accident that you caused and your insurance company doesn't help you fix this vehicle at all, does it create a financial hardship that you can't recover from or, or too much of a crisis in your life? And, and if it does, 
uh, you know, maybe it's worth paying a little bit more insurance premium each year just because it's providing a true safety net to you that you yeah. wouldn't be able to do on your own. But the, the problem with that question, Josh, is the answer is unknowable because the, the rules in Michigan are totally different than the rules in Indiana. But I had a client and they had hit someone. So they were it was their fault. Michigan's a no fault state. So let's let's forget about that. That's a that's a completely different show. Um so, but in Indiana, so they they hit this person. It was their fault. They had a, a an insurance company that said, "Hey, your liability limit is one hundred three hundred. So, in in this case, there's a hundred thousand dollars of liability protection, and we're going to write a check for that. But they're suing you for north of a hundred, and so." You guys are. You guys need to retain counsel because you're going to get sued. the The insurance adjusters will write you a check for a hundred grand so fast it'll make your head spin. So you say, well, yeah, but what about that beyond that? Or in Indiana, you know, the 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 limits are twenty five fifty. It'd be pretty easy to be in a situation where the damage caused is north of fifty thousand. I agree completely. In fact, it's part of the reason why when we talk about car insurance, <clears throat> it's it's not a lot of time spent on should I have PLPD or should I have full coverage? Most of our attention is the exact issue that you're bringing up. And that's not I injured someone's car. No, it's I injured a human being. Yeah. And the cost can get out of hand real fast. And it's part of the reason why if, if you have not reviewed your uh, home and auto insurance recently to know what kind of protection you have from lawsuits coming at you, then it's time. You know, this needs to be your first action yet this weekend. Uh, reach out to your certified financial planner who can help you analyze this uh, along with your insurance agent. They should be collaborating together to help you know what your coverages are. And um, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a financial planning issue that we're hitting on right now. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, so often of, of the amount of the cost that you pay is how much of the risk can I live with myself? How, uh, how, how self-insured am I? And the truth is, if financially you're not you don't have a strong foundation, you actually have to pay more for your insurance. So let's get that financial foundation solid and have you paying as as little as possible. So great question. Thanks. Um, all right. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.